From Public Health Institute, welcome to the PHI CDC Global Health Podcast, the podcast that highlights stories from the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program, a U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention funded program implemented by the Public Health Institute. Our fellows are guided by CDC Global Health experts and work on the front lines of global health, developing the technical and professional skills needed to make meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges. I'm your host, Whitney Hall, the program's administration and communications lead. Our guest today is Tigist McConan, MPH. Tigist is an alumna of the program and was a surveillance fellow on the epidemiology team for three years for CDC in Malawi. She is currently a PhD student at Emory University and discusses her time on the program before the pandemic, during it, and what she's working on now. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Tigist. I'm uh, really looking forward to just you know learning more about your time as a fellow in Malawi and your global health background, and then um, what you're working on now as an alumna. Thank you so much for this invitation and giving me an opportunity to share some of my experiences. I'm excited for our chat. Of course, yeah. So let's get started um, with talking about just your you know, initial interest in global health. So something I always like to start off these conversations with is what sparked your interest in global health and what influenced you to pursue your master's in public health? For me, I think my interest in global health started from my upbringing in Ethiopia. Um, I don't think I was cognizant of that until I think more recently when I started reflecting. But growing up in Ethiopia, I remember um, hearing a lot about HIV. So this is in the height of, you know, in the mid 90s, in the height of the HIV epidemic. And I didn't really know what sex was, but I was quite aware of what HIV was. Um, I think that was always in the back of my head. Um, fast forward, a few years later, I moved to the US and my senior year in high school, I went back to Ethiopia to fantasy family and I was confronted with the reality of poverty and what that looks like and the impact of that. And it really kind of implanted this idea of what is my responsibility in this world um, in terms of what what I what am I going to do about some of these issues that I'm seeing? So fast forward a few more years, I went to college, and I think this idea of public health and global health has always been kind of part of my core because I ended up pursuing public health, focused on HIV, and eventually doing my master's. Then my work ended up actually being an HIV. Um, so I think it's just a compilation of my entire life. So I don't know if I had one event or one thing that kind of shifted uh, my interest and really sparked my my interest, I think for me, it's just been a compilation of my life experiences and things I've seen growing up. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Um, was there any one thing that kind of, uh, you know, made you pursue your master's in public health and uh, decide to apply to programs? It sounds like HIV um, or just kind of awareness about HIV was a, a big factor. I think like most people, I started with the medical school interest. I My undergrad is in chemistry, so I ended up working at the emergency room, and I absolutely hated it. Um, I think I was one of those people who went in with the naive mindset of, you know, I want to help people. And, um, you know, medicine here is slightly different, especially working at the emergency room. And I think I just started to talk to people, and I remember I saw... 
an ad or I don't know if it was an email for like public health schools, like advertising for like master's program. And I went to, and this is actually at GW, so I went to one of those info sessions. And I remember I met a professor um, that was holding like a, a lecture. Cause, so they wanted us to kind of experience what it's like to be in a master's program. So they did like this 30 minutes. You kind of go into different classes and you get to talk to the professors. And I just remember walking over from that conversation feeling like, wow, this is really interesting. And I think this would be a good way to bring my interest and what I want to do in the future together um, outside of that medicine. Because I, I just, in my head, I think I, I thought I'm going to go to med school. I'm going to somehow figure out how I'm going to end up at public health. But this kind of gave me a different view of still doing public health work, but not through that medical route. Um, so I think that that open house at GW really kind of solidified, okay, this is a good route. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I think, um, you know, it sounds like with public health, I often hear that people like decide to pursue medical school first and then are kind of brought into the the public health realm and switch gears. Um, You were a fellow in Malawi for three years, so through 2021. Uh, But before you became a fellow, what was your public health work experience like? Um, And are there any kind of key moments or learning experiences that stand out as the most impactful in building your skills um, and kind of confirming that that path you've pursued in global health? So for me, I during my MPH, I was really focused on gaining a lot of technical skills, a lot of the advice I've received from a lot of professionals um, was that like I should get the technical skills, they're applicable in all fields. Uh, while doing that, I took a lot of global health courses. And as part of that requirement, we had to do a practicum and a thesis. So I did all those in Ethiopia, which was really nice. I think it provided me the opportunity to work in some of these settings that, you know, we talk about in classrooms. So I did a bit of work in Ethiopia, looking at reproductive health. Um, and then I went back the next year, kind of continuing that work. And then after finishing my MPH, I worked with Save the, Save the Children, looking at newborn health in Somalia. And that was a very interesting experience and quite different from what I've done previously. And I've done a little bit of analysis work with Elizabeth Glacier Pediatric AIDS Foundation um, out of DC. So I did a little bit of, you know, different things here and there, a little bit of HIV, a little bit of reproductive health. And I think it really has allowed me to see how we utilize some of these methods that we learn to really improve health outcomes in these settings. So I like, I think for me before the uh, fellowship, I had shorter shorter um experience a lot of my work has been like three months or four months so a kind of summer fellowships or internship but looking at different um, areas i mean it sounds like with your technical skill set and work experience and just working in different countries you could have gone a lot of directions after grad school um so what opportunities were you considering after your mph and why did you decide to pursue the phi cdc global health fellowship Yeah, I think for me, I had, you know, various, I know I was really interested in sexual reproductive health, uh, but where that was going to take me, I wasn't exactly sure. Um, But I was really keen on finding opportunities abroad. 
um, I've always felt connected to, you know, Ethiopia, Africa and having that heritage. So I was really focused on making sure I find opportunities there. And what area I honestly didn't really care because I knew that for, you know, as a recent graduate with not much of experience, I know it would be really challenging to find these opportunities. So I was really open to whatever the topical area was as long as I can work in the field, I can work on the ground, actually implementing and working on these projects. Um, I really stayed away from kind of like working in the U.S. on projects that are being implemented abroad because for me, I'm like, I actually want to see what is being done, how it's being done, and I want to be there. So all the opportunities I pursued were all abroad, um, all in different areas. Um, so that was kind of my one focus for me was ending up somewhere in Africa, kind of gaining the on-ground experience. So, and this fellowship was just perfect in bringing, you know, my interest um, and kind of that hands-on experience. So... Great. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, yeah, let's talk more about your role as a fellow for CDC Malawi. Um, what, you know, what was your specific role and how did it change throughout um, your time as a fellow? I know you, you had a pretty uh, unique, I'll say, experience because of the pandemic um, occurring during your starting um, kind of mid, uh, mid fellowship for you. Yes. Uh, COVID is an interesting um kind of change that we didn't anticipate. Uh, but I was a surveillance fellow with CDC Malawi, and I was part of the ESIB branch. And we had a small team, but we had many projects under our portfolio. So before I got there, there was a, a fellow. Um, so I kind of took over his role and his like some of the things he was working on. So my portfolio included drug-resistant surveillance, um, civil registration vital statistics, and looking at mortality surveillance. And some of the pro the projects were in were at end stage uh, where we're like finalizing data data um, collection, we're analyzing data. Some of the other projects were in the startup phase where we're developing protocols. So I played different roles based on what the project required. Um, so when I started, these were kind of, you know, my portfolio, things I was working on. And as time went on, things changed. The office was extremely flexible and allowing us to kind of insert ourselves um, and other projects that we found interesting. So I ended up working on um, a study looking at Pellagra, which wasn't even in my branch, it was in a different branch, but I got pulled into the project, ended up extensively working on that. So I think, you know, some of the great things about working in a small office is that you have the opportunity to really be an integral part of the team. So even though I was a fellow, I wasn't treated like one, you know, I had some of the things I was working on. I was um, activity manager for some of them. My boss kind of expected me to kind of take care of those responsibilities, but also pick things up as uh, we got busy. So, you know, even though these were my main projects, I was able to, you know, support analysis uh, with some projects. Uh, we start, we wanted to develop a new tool to like to monitor um, like ongoing like HIV 
testing, treatment, um, adherence with some of our partners. So I was supporting the team that was developing that and also meeting with partners every week to look at the data. So my role changed based on kind of what was needed. And my office was really great in allowing me the flexibility to pick up some things while I still continue to work on my, my project. So it was, it was a great experience. Okay, great. And you mentioned something called pellagra. Um, what is that? Pellagra is a skin disease that is caused by vitamin B12 deficiency. And we saw that there was an unusual increase in some areas. So we were um, doing a study to kind of understand the cause of that. So that, so that was study. And then part of your other question was COVID. Um, COVID happened, I think, the end of my second year. And for us, I think from Malawi, we were kind of the later countries that were hit. So by the time we identified cases, it might have been May. And for us, you know, life was kind of normal. And the next day, you know, we had a positive case and things kind of really shifted and changed quickly. And that kind of required us to adapt and shift and change. Um, I will say it was quite challenging to go from, you know, like a, an experience of being there, doing the work with my colleagues, to coming home and working remotely across different time zones, also not being able to do training, not being able to travel, some, like travel to some of these sites, meet our partners. So COVID required a lot of adjustments, um, not just for those, those office members that were working on it, but also for those of us that were supporting. So essentially some people were pulled to work on COVID response. So some of us that kind of um, continue doing like our work, end up picking up some of their work to support. So it required a lot of shifting and changing, but I think the office was extremely supportive. Um, I think we really tried to take care of one another and trying to get through this together. You, especially as an overseas fellow, you had to be really flexible um, given all the changes brought about uh, by COVID. So um, coming back to the U.S. from Malawi for a period of time in 2020, um, and then, you know, into 2021, still working remotely. Um, was there anything that kind of helped you stay grounded, either personally or professionally? And um, you know, or anything that kind of helped you stay connected to your coworkers and your work? For me, one of the biggest things that really helped me stay grounded were my, my friends and family. I think being so isolated and, you know, especially in the early days where we didn't have that many answers, we didn't fully understand. Um, we just had so many questions, I think. It just, it was, it was a lot of fear. So I think my friends or family, it was, it was really nice to be home, to be around my family, um, to have that support. In terms of my office, you know, we tried to find kind of small ways to, to connect again, because before, you know, we're in the office, I can just go, I can just pop into somebody's office. I can go, go, go to somebody's desk and chat. Um, and now this required a complete shift in how we did things. So 
for me and I think a lot of my colleagues, we try to find time and moments to just reconnect um, during our all staff meetings. You know, we started doing like small things to appreciate one another, to kind of keep our social interactions going because it's very easy to just get lost in the work and kind of forget the people and kind of forget ourselves, I think, in the process. So we tried different things, I think, and especially in the early days of COVID, we tried to find time and moments to connect. There were some colleagues that I was really close to that we schedule regular check-ins that will just catch up on life and outside of work because we kind of lost that because of the pandemic, you know, like we weren't in the office just catching up. So I think just finding those moments to really just connect with people. For me, I think it really helped me stay grounded and just kind of get through the time and also remembering that we're all going through the same thing. That's a really good point of staying connected to people, not just, you know, professionally, but on a personal level, still making time for that relationship building. Um, You've talked a little bit about what it's been, you know, what it was like to work with CDC staff, uh, but I'm curious if there were any highlights of your experience uh, with staff or mentors. Um, and then the second part of my question um, is, I, I believe you're still working for CDC now as an alumna, um, so I'd be curious, uh, and I'm sure listeners would be curious to hear about uh, how you're currently supporting them. Wow, so, so many highlights. Um, I don't know if I could say one, but so Malawi is known as the warm heart of Africa. And for me, that's exactly what I received when I went. Um, I didn't know much about Malawi, but the staff really embraced me. And they're really, they're really critical in my transition, um, not just in my role, but just personally. So there was just a lot of support. Um, my supervisor and my mentor she was just fantastic i remember the first week i got there um it might have been day three and she was like oh you know there's a partner meeting you should go attend i said okay so one of my colleagues goes with me and then she's like okay i have to go to another meeting you know just stay then the partner asked me they're like oh can you do the second part of the presentation i'm like oh i I just started like you know like there's so much confusion but you know, they supported me through it and I go back and I'm telling my supervisor, like, you know, they need me to do this, it's only my third day. She's like, no, it's okay, you're actually going on set supervision next week. And I'm like, oh, it's only been a week. She's like, oh, that's how you learn. You just, you know, you're just throwing in the fire. And it, to me, like, I found that really helpful. Um, she trusted me and she provided me the opportunity to really you know, apply a lot of the things that I've learned. There wasn't a lot of hand-holding. It was like, you're in charge of this, go ahead and do it. Um, And I think that really helped me build a lot of self-confidence and just realize that, hey, like my boss really trusts me. Um, So there's just so many highlights, honestly. I I think I've had the privilege of working with a fantastic team that is extremely supportive, um, extremely hardworking, I'm constantly inspired, you know, like I see my boss at the office at 9 p.m. sometimes and I'm like, you know, that's like the dedication they have for their work is just something that continues to inspire me. So it's it's been a fantastic experience for me. So after my fellowship ended in August, um, I had a few projects that were still that I was still working on. And with COVID and we're having the office was having challenges 
with the new fellows coming in. So I've kind of decided to stay and extend my fellowship and continue to support some of the work I was doing. Um, since then, I think a lot of, I, I was able to transition a lot of the work I was doing to like the new person that has started um, their position, but I'm trying to finalize a few. We have a manuscript that we're working on that hopefully will get published soon. We have a data analysis project that is almost at the end. Um, so I'm trying to help finalize that. So for me, I stayed on so I can continue supporting as they transition to onboarding new staff. So it's just a matter of continuing some of the things I was I was already doing. I haven't picked up any new projects or got involved in any, anything new just because my fellowship is ending. Um, so it's just been kind of tying up some loose ends and finalizing some of the things we've started. Okay, oh, that's great. I mean, it sounds like they're very lucky to have you. Uh, well, before the pandemic, it seemed like you were traveling a lot, um, especially in, in Malawi and country. Um, so I am curious to hear about, you know, more about the travel you did as a fellow um, in and outside of Malawi, and if there are any like key moments that stand out or lessons that you learned, um, or yeah, mem kind of memorable, memorable moments from you that stand out from those trips. Before the pandemic, uh, we had the opportunity to do a bit of traveling, um, especially site visits uh, with some of our partners. A lot of my visit was in the south of um, Malawi, because that is kind of the high burden HIV area, and most of our work is in the south. So I had the opportunity to do a bit of traveling there. Um, I will say Malawi is a beautiful place. Um, so depending on what season you end up going, you get to see different sides of the country. And what's great is I think when you travel, our partners, a lot of the partners I went with really try to show me different sides of the country. Um, so I really love kind of being able to travel with the partners and see different sites. Um, there's a city called Zomba that I really love. It's very mountainous, high elevation. So that has to be one of my favorite places to visit. Um, and just, I think every trip there has been quite memorable. And in terms of training, I had the opportunity to travel to South Africa and Italy, um, doing a few, I think for South Africa, we went to attend a STATA training, which was really interesting. And I didn't think I would learn a new software in a week, but it was, it was well thought out. Um, very de detailed and really well structured. So I really enjoyed that training. It gave me a really good introduction to Stata, which I've never used before. And Italy was more of like a refresher to some of the FBM methods courses. And it was really interesting because this was more of a summer course and there were several people that, not several, it was actually a lot of people that joined the class from a lot of different places. So. It was just an opportunity to reconnect with people, share ideas, thoughts, and also strengthen some of my method skills and also enjoy Italy. Right, right. <laughs> uh, well, you touched on this a little bit, but um, how were your work projects affected by COVID-19? Um, I know, if, you know, a lot of attention went from, uh, you know, normal projects to, to focus on COVID-19. 
Um, and have there been any kind of key takeaways from that learning experience? I think for us in the beginning, um, some of our projects completely stopped, especially the ones that were in active data collection. Um, it was really hard to, you know, really assess risk and ask like data collectors to go out and collect data. So all those kind of went into pause, which was nice. But some of our other systemic projects, so I'll tell you about, I was working on a mortality surveillance project, um, registering deaths in Malawi. And we realized, you know, this would be a really great asset in terms of being able to understand COVID-related deaths. But because of COVID, you know, the office was having challenges, uh, the partner office was really having challenges collecting the data, the staff on the ground weren't working. So we struggled with, you know, this is a really useful tool and project that can really inform our COVID response. But then how much of it can we really implement right now based on the current reality. So I think it was easy to pause some projects. It just made sense because it was really hard to kind of continue their work. But with other projects that I feel like we thought they could be a great addition and support to the COVID response, I think we had a hard time in terms of trying to push those projects to continue, but at the same time, trying to understand the reality and putting people at risk and saying, okay, we need to figure out a way to kind of um, make sure we are still continuing the project, but making sure that people are safe and continue to kind of stay safe. I think one of my biggest takeaway was our, the, the flexibility that is required um, while we're working in the field. I think we have a really good understanding of some of the challenges, whether it's network or internet, um, or power outages, but I think COVID was a completely different um, reality. And maybe having the systems in place, I think that was that's something that I think we continue to discuss. Um, in Malawi, we were able to work on scaling up electronic medical records, and part of that is this mortality surveillance and death registration. So I think just COVID has taught us like how important that is and continuing to kind of strengthen those systems, have those systems in place when something like this hits, we can quickly transition, you know, look at the data, like have a better understanding. Um, so for me, I think just the flexibility of kind of adjusting as times are changing and as the current reality requires us. Definitely. Yeah. Data collection just seems so important um, just in general, but especially during a pandemic um, and then flexibility as well. Uh, how did the fellowship impact your career trajectory? So, um, you know, besides uh, su still supporting CDC Malawi, what are you doing now? And then what are um, your career plans in general? The fellowship for me, I think, solidified kind of that initial thought and idea that I had about working abroad and really reconnecting to my African roots, um, it kind of solidified that for me. Like, I want to go back and continue my work. Um, it also inspired me to kind of continue learning and strengthening some of my skills. Um, I think a lot of people would know, like, a lot of people who's, who've worked at CDC 
would say that, you know, like you kind of need a terminal degree or many, many years of experience to really climb up the ladder and be in a position of leadership. So after my three years, I realized, you know what, like if I want to be at the decision making table and if I want to be involved in some of these projects at a higher level, I need a terminal degree. So my fellowship really inspired me to go back to school, which is what I'm doing now. Um, currently in a PhD program um, at Emory, working on global health and development and just continuing the work I started at CDC Malawi and continuing to explore some of these health indicators and figure out ways how we can respond to some of the challenges that we have. So my hope is to kind of continue strengthening my method skills, gain additional skills and somehow find my way back to Malawi or <laughs> anywhere nearby. Do you have any plans to to travel to Malawi or um, to see family uh, in, in Ethiopia anytime soon? I'm really hoping for the summer, but I, I don't know. To me, COVID is such, COVID has made it impossible, I feel like, to make plans, especially long-term plans. So mm-hmm. I am really hoping that over the summer I will get to do a bit of work. Um, abroad and then while I'm there I'll get to visit both Ethiopia and Malawi I still have many friends and many family there so yeah I'm looking forward to that nice that's great Um, well what advice do you have to listeners who you know are interested in following in your footsteps um, and you know what kind of do you feel like helped you enter this this field and succeed I don't know if I have one advice. Um, For me, it was something that I was really passionate about and very intentional about making sure that I gained this experience and and kind of get a broader sense of global health, not just from the classroom, but from on the ground reality. So I will just say, you know, go for it. Keep pursuing it. Uh, If it doesn't work out the first time, continue to try. Um, I will say, you know, at the same time I applied to this fellowship, I applied to a few other fellowships that I thought I would definitely get because they, most of them required just a bachelor degree, um, but I didn't get any of them. And this was kind of the, the PHI fellowships where I ended up, which I thought, you know, I was quite underqualified. Uh, but but just to say that I think a lot of us tend to underestimate our skill sets and some of it's not just about methods, right? So for me, one thing I've learned through this experience is even though I'm constantly trying to push myself in some of my methodological skills and gain additional skills, some of the interpersonal skills, some of the soft skills that are not quite emphasized in global health are quite important. Um, So I will say that just keep pushing. If you feel like you're underqualified, definitely still apply and don't short sell yourself just because you might not have the, you know, this, the, the experience that you think you should have. Um, so just give it a shot. Yeah, that's great advice. If, if someone doesn't try, they'll never know, right? What exactly. happens. So. Exactly. Nice. Um, well, do you have any, you know, favorite public health trainings or resources you recommend either for people with your educational background or those who are kind of newer to public health? Um, or one other thing I was thinking about was, you know, maybe people have their MPH but are curious about a PhD program um, and any kind of like, you know, trainings you pursued to help prepare you for that or um, or was that more work experience? 
I will say one of my favorite trainings was not was nothing related to public health. Um, during the pandemic, one of the trainings I did was at the Shakespeare Theater, and it's called Public Speaking for Business Professionals, and it's it's focused on just teaching you communication skills, how to communicate, um, whether that's verbal presentation uh, or anything like that. I was kind of sad it was remote because of COVID. Um, I wish it was in person. But it was u- utilizing acting skills to teach us how to communicate, what to communicate, whether it's special, facial expressions, hand gestures. Um, I just thought it was it was really interesting. It was something that I've never... It was, it was outside of my scope of field. Like, I've never been a part of... I've never taken an acting class. I don't know much about acting. So... Just to say that I think for those of us who are in a specific kind of field, we tend to stick in those fields and not explore. So I would really advise people to really explore other fields, right? Like look for resources in other areas and see what they can gain. Because to me, that was one of the most impactful um, trainings I've done. It had nothing to do with public health. Um, And in terms of a PhD, for me, I don't know if you are ever prepared for a PhD because <laughs> I still feel like I'm quite underprepared and I find myself question at times questioning myself. Um, but I think my MPH training along with my experience at CDC Malawi like really prepared me. I will say I would give any, my one advice would be for anybody who wants to do a PhD, make sure you have a few years of experience because I went, I think I had a year between my undergraduate degree and my master's, but it wasn't in public health. So even though, you know, I learned a lot during my MPH, it wasn't until I went and worked in the field that a lot of the stuff I was learning made, like kind of came together. And also a lot of things that I didn't learn that were quite important. Um, They might've been small, but, you know, the field reality and kind of managing those expectations and dealing with that was quite important. So, you know, something like a power outage, yes, it has nothing to do with public health, but it impacts our work and kind of learning how to manage that was for me an important thing that I didn't learn in school. So just to say that anybody who is interested in a PhD, I would really highly recommend a few years of experience, kind of understanding the field, gaining a little bit of experience. I think that would make the experience and enriching, it will kind of bring things together. So now during my PhD, you know, when I'm taking classes, I can easily kind of relate some concepts that I'm learning to what I've done or what I've seen. So I think it provides people with that additional layer of understanding that I think is hard to get unless you've worked in the field um, and unless you've had several years of experience. So that would be my only advice. And honestly, I don't think... I don't know if anybody goes into a PhD feeling like I'm so ready. This is the next step. I think there's always this idea of am I ready? Like, am I fully prepared for it? I think that's always going to be there. But I think a few years of experience would be really beneficial. All right. Yeah, that makes so much sense to have that that experience, um, you know, in your in your past. And then um, I love that you took a <laughs> um, a class on you know, acting and public speaking. Yes. I think that's a really creative thing to pursue. <laughs> mm-hmm, it is. And I think oftentimes it's not encouraged. Uh, 
because I feel like we're always focused on methods and, you know, gain the skills and get, gain these other skills. But sometimes we neglect some of the more important things that are not method related because we could do all the methods. If we can't communicate them, then, you know, it's kind of a waste. I guess with your PhD, I'm kind of curious, are you, is there one like specific research project that you're focusing on um, with your time there? So Emory does this really cool thing, which I wish every school did. Uh, we get to do three research rotations with different professors to kind of, one, get to know them, two, really learn their area, where they, like what um, some of the projects they're working in. All of us come in with a, an interest, so I'm still interested in sexual reproductive health, but I don't have a specific topic just yet. So I'm kind of exploring and learning and trying to figure out my niche. So it's a work in progress. Nice. That's so cool. Um, I bet other PhD people (laughs) wish that they had that too. (laughs) Yes. It's it's a really, um, I think it's one of the unique things about this program that I really appreciate. Great. Thank you so much, Atikas. It was so nice to, you know, learn more about your background and your experiences in Malawi and um, just kind of what you're doing now. Um, if if there's any, um, you know, anything you want to add, I um, want, want you to feel like you have the space to do so. And then um, if anyone wants to kind of learn more about your your work or your projects, um, are there any resources that, that you want to direct them to? Sure. Um, I don't know if I have much else to add aside from, you know, just go for it. If anybody would like, if if anybody has any follow-up questions or likes to chat, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, It's just Sigis McConan and my name should pop up. So if anybody wants to reach out and connect, I'll be happy to chat with anybody. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to following your career in the future and seeing what you do next. Well, before we close out this episode, let's hear from a current fellow in Malawi. Her name is Mallory Michalak, and she sent in a short clip about her experiences from the previous year. I'm Mallory Michalak, and I'm a program management fellow in Lalongwe, Malawi, where I work with the health services branch for CDC Malawi. In 2021, I served on the International Task Force as part of the COVID-19 response with the CDC. And with the Community Mitigation Unit, I led school-based mitigation responses. As part of my work on the COVID response, I developed a training for school-based mitigation measures, outbreak response, and reopening risk assessments for schools around the world. The training that I developed was translated into four languages and conducted in over 18 countries and reached over 650 participants. Thank you to our guests, Tigus McConan and Mallory Michalak for contributing to this episode. Thanks to all of you for tuning into the PHI CDC Global Health Podcast. This podcast is a project of the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program implemented by the Public Health Institute and its partner, Consortium of Universities for Global Health, for the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
Please join us next time as we share more fellowship stories. To learn more about our program and see how we are making meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges, visit our website at phi-cdcfellows.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can always subscribe or rate us and leave a review, which helps other listeners find the podcast. For questions, please email us at info at phi-cdcfellows.org. This podcast is produced by Whitney Hall. Thank you to Mike Sage, Christine Carabayo, Natasha Alcaz, Laura Michael, Felicia Warren, CDC Center for Global Health, BHI, and CUGH.